Hello and welcome to The Good Complex. I'm Jeff Jones and it's my privilege to host the conversation today as we tee up conversations and tell stories of tremendous good being done in our world, which is happening every day. That sure, there's if you want to build a narrative that the world is bad and getting worse, you can do that. But the truth is, there is a lot of good that's being done. A lot of things are actually getting better. And and in a world where we're losing the ability to hear each other, especially if there's any, even just an ounce of disagreement, the good complex is an opportunity to say, you know what, let's set aside our differences, even appreciate our differences, uh, so that we can remind ourselves of what we all have in common. And that is a desire for the common good. And today is a great example of that because all of us come to something like the good complex with a similar desire. We really want to make our world better, and yet we come with different motivations. And and for some of us, that's a faith motivation. Uh, For me, that's the case. I'm a pastor. I'm a Jesus follower. And that is going to compel you to try to make the world better and to be part of, of what we believe, you know, God is up to in our world. That's my motivation. Uh, You may have a secular motivation. I don't know. Uh, But today we have the opportunity of another faith motivation uh, that's not uh, about Christianity. Uh, We have the opportunity to learn from and and discourse with a Muslim imam, which I guess is the only kind of imam, a Muslim imam. (laughs) But uh, this is Imam Azar. And it's a real privilege to have you on The Good Complex. Thank you so much. Uh, Good afternoon. Thank you for hosting me here. And I think um, uh, The Good Complex is exactly what our world needs today, is where we have these dialogues and discussions and break down those assumptions. Those barriers are not concrete to me. They're assumptions uh, that we are polarized when in actuality we are closer today than we ever were before. We just need to acknowledge that closeness. Mm. Sometimes we're like back to back and we're looking the opposite direction. We're like, how far are we from each other? But we just need to turn around and there we are. So thank you so much. And it's amazing what discussion can do. Uh, I mean, friendship even more, right? But we, it's so easy to have assumptions. And I know in the West, um, especially when it relates to Islam, it's so easy for people to have assumptions that they Mm -hmm. keep that have very little to do with reality and uh, and that's just right. You you know that you live that, and so this is a great. I think just sure. going to be a, a fascinating conversation oh, thank today. Thank you so much. I believe so. And before we jump into the the kind of the meat of the conversation, mm-hmm. though, be good to get to know you a little bit. Um, sure. We talked briefly before we both grew up playing hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, you grew up in Canada, which yes. makes sense. I grew up in Alabama. Wow. And okay. played hockey. Wow. <laughs> and I grew up in Huntsville, Alabama. Wow. And where the space industry started and all that. And so we had people from all over the country converge on this little town, Huntsville, Alabama, that grew. And so a lot of people from the north brought hockey with them. And so we had the first hockey program in the south. And so we would uh, we would, you know, play other teams that were just starting in Dallas or Charlotte. And we travel and just, you know, 20 to nothing. We'd win. We thought we were amazing Mm -hmm. until the end of the season. We'd always go to Michigan Minnesota, Canada, (laughs) and then it'd be like 24 to nothing the other way. So you Canadians are pretty mean hockey players. Well, uh, hockey runs in our blood uh, just as maple syrup does. And uh, (laughs) we just released, I think, 50 uh, million barrels of uh, syrup from the Strategic Reserve of Canada yesterday (laughs) because there's a shortage. It goes to show that... um, Canadians have passion, and what we're passionate about, it's 
apparent uh, in our demeanor. It's apparent in our uh, grit and, and our determination, just as it was for the Toronto Raptors. Hey, you know, it took uh, it took over two decades for us to get the title, but. I still remember the day that the Raptors played their first game, uh, and I was visiting from wow. England. I was visiting home from my studies, and we were at a grocery store and just watching the game and how it started. Everyone was just fixated everywhere in the country. So again, sports is uh, something we're passionate about. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So you know, you and I serve the same community uh, right here in the Plano area, uh-huh. and uh, one of the things that I uh, that we noticed we had a, a pastor uh, attend one of your events sure. and that you were kind enough to invite us to. And you were giving out money to different partnerships mm-hmm. or different organizations that you sure. partner with that serve our community in different ways. And sure. and as a as a faith leader, I, we also uh, we serve in our community through partners, meaning there's things that we do by ourselves. Mm-hmm. But if there's people already doing really good things and they're expert, experts at doing that, Rather than us trying to figure out how to be an expert, we'll support them financially and with volunteers and that kind of thing. And uh, and he came back and, and said, you know, it was amazing because uh, I think there were, I don't know, maybe 19 organizations or something involved. And uh, and most of them were our same partners, the, the organizations that we work with as well. And that takes me to a, a conversation about partnership. We'll talk about different things, but... Sure. But as we in a world that's so polarized and so divided, where it can feel like a violation of our own distinctive, if we highlight the good that somebody else is doing, that's not us, that mm-hmm. doesn't believe what we believe, or mm-hmm. is like a compromise or something, or or certainly to partner with somebody, to to work with somebody. Mm-hmm. I want us to talk a little bit about that because sure. both of us come from very strong religious traditions with. Mm-hmm centuries of history and very uh, deeply held beliefs that that are distinctive and i think those differences are good they're important uh, you know to to have them and and that'd be a great discourse some other time just about religion and and what we believe in theology that's not what the good complex is about but what the good complex is about is the ability to say yeah we may have different motivations including faith motivations but we want to partner around the same things, to set aside differences, mm-hmm. not because differences are unimportant, mm-hmm. not because those distinctives are unimportant, because they are, uh, but because there's something bigger that we're all committed to, That's regardless right. of our motivation. And that maybe the world would be way better mm-hmm. if we could figure out how to partner together <laughs> and work together, as opposed to just staying in our little tribes and, sure. and all of that. Um, but I, I would love to hear about that from your perspective and um, and as you think about coming at it from a, a different faith tradition than I come, sure. as you think about partnering and just talk to me a little bit about how you think about that, what motivates you. Well, you know, I think when we have an inner calling or passion that drives us to do beyond the norm, to go outside the box per se, um, opportunities present themselves and you just have to learn how to not just capitalize on it, but how to grow it. So I was in Florida for 16 years serving as an imam. Uh, During that time, of course, had the opportunity to serve in two distinct mosques, to be a consultant to many other mosques, but also as a first Muslim to give the opening prayer in Tallahassee in its history. Hmm. Um, I was also part of the Orlando shooting response uh, team, uh, the clergy response team. And in all these uh, different opportunities, uh, I realized that there is a power of coming together 
and allowing the issue at hand to take precedence where the nitty-gritty, as you could say, of uh, our beliefs or our differences are put aside. And, and instead of actually, instead of talking about the theology, we're actually able to demonstrate and articulate what our theology is through our actions. Mm -hmm. You know, actions speak louder than words. And that's right. exactly what I've seen in many instances in my life. Uh, Hurricane Charlie response team with Governor Bush in 2004 was my first eye-opener when I saw that this is a possibility. When people of all walks of life, people of faith, community, uh, active members uh, of the community, people who are retired, government, the White House comes together to work towards solving a problem that we all were feeling one way or another. And so that's exactly um, where I think life presents these scenarios and opportunities where you actually grow with it. When I came to Plano in 2018, of course, the mosque has been in existence in existence for over uh, close to two decades now, actually over two decades. Okay. Um, and, and for me to come into Plano and to read that sign that's a city of excellence, it set the standard in the bar for me that, you mm. know what, if this is a city that defines itself by its excellence, it's imperative for me to live up to that level of excellence. Um, seeing what the mosque did that Ramadan in 2018, 19 uh, before of course um, the pandemic hit yeah. was exemplify it exemplified to me how deep our partnership was within the city and how we needed to grow that more not to become complacent that you know we're working with the North Texas Food Bank uh, we're you know giving out food every Saturday for so many years mm -hmm. these things are happening but how can we take it up a notch yeah. how can we actually uh, take up new initiatives and actually lead that alongside the partners that we have the existing partners to you know to shed light on a part of the community where there's currently darkness one of those issues is mental health right and so in 2019 we start up initiative of free mental health counseling. In addition to the many services that the mosque itself provides, there's a free dental clinic, free health clinic, free food pantry, free law clinic. We started a free uh, mental health clinic because we saw the need for that. And so just being a part of that is just an amazing thing. It's very humbling to see that there is a motivation and a drive in people of all walks of life. As you serve your congregants and I serve my congregants, it allows me to see what their inner passion is and right. what their inner calling is and that just took me forward and you know the one thing I'm happy uh, uh, to be a part of at this time is it's my third year being an, on the advisory board for PISD mm -hmm. and we're working on some really amazing initiatives for the students and for the community and for the staff with the whole premise being understanding one another valuing and appreciating one another and understanding the richness that is in existence through our diversity yeah and, and I want to come back around to that sure. because really it's relationship that does that, right? Yes, and yes. conversation and friendship and Correct. is a powerful thing. Otherwise, mm -hmm. we stereotype each other. 100%. And, um, but as, as two religious leaders, um, mm -hmm. I'm going to go a slightly different direction. Sure. And that is, you know, as our, as our culture becomes more secular, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a, a growing sense, certainly if you get into um, – I don't know, certain elite kind of places, you know, um, an idea that is growing that the world would be a whole lot better if religion just went away. Mm -hmm. And there was no Islam, there was no Christianity, there was no anything, no Buddhism, no, that, 
you know, religion has been a source of so much uh, strife and violence and mm -hmm. darkness that the world would be better if it was just mm -hmm. all religion was gone. Mm -hmm. um, talked about that a little bit. Um, you know, as, as, a, as a Jesus follower, as a Christian, I would have, I don't know, you know, something to say, but, but I'm curious what we, what you would say to a, a secular person that legitimately thought, you know, the, the world would actually be better if religion went away. You see, what we can do is we can go back into the annals of history. We can pull out every page that has been written in blood. The dark incidents have occurred in our world from, um, you know, wars and attacks and uh, the whole nine yards. You know, many of the kids who are in our communities today that we serve, they were not even born uh, before 9-11. Mm -hmm. And so they were born into a world where something uh, horrific happened in a country that they call home at a time that, you know, it wasn't fair for them to grow up being victimized or demonized because of, of, of what's happening. We can go back into the annals of history, as I said, and we could pull out every incident and we can continue to prove to the court of, uh, of, uh, of logic that, look, all these problems occurred because of religion, because of religious preachers, teachers, ideology, interpretation of the whole nine yards. But it's only fair that if you're going to go through that strenuous task, which I'll admit it's not too strenuous because history has documented a lot of the dark times of our world, but it has also documented a lot of the good that has happened in our world. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to see that, and I'm not here to weigh the two because I don't have any mechanism or tool to weigh accurately the good versus the bad or the evil versus the right. But what we do have is that religion has brought good onto this earth just as people have committed atrocities and violence in its name. So to write off and say that it is evil, period, or it's a problem, period, is not a professional assessment of the reality of religion and its existence. What we have to do is, instead of getting into the nitty-gritty again of what religion has done, is to kind of focus at the core of religion, which is the teachings, the book, the Psalms, the Torah, the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Bible, the Quran. And if you, in an unbiased way, you know, you just analyze these texts. Yes, there are verses of violence. Okay, it's in the Bible, it's in the Torah, it's in the Quran. Okay. But if you look at the overarching message, because we're not, I'm not a scholar of the Bible or Christianity. I've read the Bible. I've studied mm -hmm. the Bible, but I'm not a scholar in it. So I can't just come and say, oh, there was this written in the Bible. Just like someone could come and say, well, this is written in the Quran. I may not have, and I do not have the knowledge of the entire context of what's being said at that certain passage. But the overarching theme and message is about morality. It's about uh, respecting others. It's about judging yourself, putting yourself to task, living the religion, not expecting others to be representatives of it. There's a lot of stuff. We talk about love thy neighbor, and it just it could go on. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I believe as a human, in my core, I believe that we talk about morality and all the other positive things that our world admires. I believe religion has been the epicenter that introduced this to the world. Christianity, Judaism, Islam re represented this and introduced it to the people. 
just because we're born in a time where those religions are not actively in the starting phase per se right. like uh, for us Jesus is a prophet so he's not here right now Muhammad's a prophet he's not here right now and, and the Bible and the Quran the Torah is already done in his revelation it's done like it's not happening mm-hmm. uh, we may not be able to truly appreciate what value it brought to the world at a time when those things were somewhat non-existent right take all that for granted we take all it for granted happened. right yeah. it's like yeah. it's like people growing up in this country uh, and like myself grew up in Canada my mom would tell me the sacrifice that she had to endure in Uganda and Kenya. My dad talking about what they had to grow up with in India. I couldn't understand that mm-hmm. in, in its entirety because I was growing up with cereal in the closet <laughs> and milk in the fridge. Yeah. So you can understand that. But we have to be... Uh, we have to be fair in our assessments. And I think to just do away with something because I may not agree or maybe a great pool of people may not agree with it, it's not the right way to go. Because when I start canceling out people and groups and ideologies and religions and beliefs and practices, what is the end result that I'm aspiring for? Yeah, because we're living in a cancel culture world yeah. also right now. Yeah. So I'm going to cancel this individual. I'm going to uh, I'm going to reject these people. I'm going to delete these. You know, where are we going with that? I think that energy could be best used if we turn it uh, the table a bit and say, you know what? I don't know so much about these people. And I've heard too much negativity about those people. The one thing I'm sure you can agree on is here in Plano, people are very receptive. You know, people are right. open and welcoming. If you give another person a chance, they are. And I don't know how many people walked into our mosque blind, like they don't know what to do, what to expect. Right. And they expected contrary to what they thought they would expect, you know. They're welcome, they're received. So we have an opportunity here to just go and understand the other before we write off the other. And that's, I think, that's how I feel about it. But yeah. So how can we do that? You know, in a world that's increasingly polarized, and I'm sure there's pressure from every place, right, yes. to to just sink into your tribe and us versus them. and To be going your that. silos. Yeah. So how can we Well, silos are detrimental, I think. These silos are going to hurt us more than they're going to help us. It's like if a tornado is coming in Kansas and you just hide under a makeshift uh, shelter for a car Mm -hmm. from the heat, um, you're in trouble. You know, you have to go to a concrete place. Everyone's making their little shelter and assuming that we're protected from the heat of each other when in actuality, we're causing ourselves a problem here. We have to be mature enough to experience life with our own senses. We are right now in, we, we are so, um, uh, we're, we're so immersed in our social media world, mm-hmm. our virtual world, our artificial world, where we feel that whatever is said, whatever is stated, whatever is depicted is reality. And in actuality, your your own experience may prove you wrong. So I could read about, oh man, Muslims, my God, this is what they did. This is what happened there. Um, oh my God, they're bad people. So that's what you're making. You're making a judgment or a judgment is being made for yourself based on what you're being shown. But we have in this city... Uh, the amount of uh, religious institutions I've been, been able to visit in 2019, mm-hmm. which I was hoping to continue 2020, <laughs> 2021, yeah. but of course we know what happened then. Yeah. Um, there's almost every denomination of 
almost every faith here. Like even in the Islamic aspect, that we have the Shias, we have the Baha'is, we have the Ahmadis, we have the Ismailis, we have the Sufis, and, and that's just that's just from the Islamic aspect. Right. And then you got the Christians, you have Judaism. How many different synagogues we have here, and there's a lot of wealth of knowledge at our doorstep in this city. All you need to do is go knock the door pick up the phone and make a call and say, I want to just come and talk. I want to know more. And when you're sitting face to face with someone and you're able to interact with someone who spent their life or a great chunk of their life learning and understanding and teaching and preaching what they believe, now you can get the true side of the story. You're going to get a mm -hmm. better side. And then you can judge, okay, I'm reading this, I'm hearing this, but I'm experiencing this, and this is what I would want to resort to. So getting people back to experiencing one another instead of just prejudging one another is a task we all should take on as different segments of this community because that's going to do away with a lot of those misconceptions and misidentifications that are happening. And I'm sure that can be as simple as going to lunch or dinner with a coworker who is different than you. Exactly. Or serving together alongside, right? It just developing friendship, just developing friendship. conversation. Outside the room. So if you can't walk into a mosque, a synagogue, or a church where you're working, where you're studying, where you're um, training yourself uh, in your studies or whatever you're doing, you have people of different ethnicities, different backgrounds. They're eating different types of food at lunch when you're eating different types right, of food. Right. Just to start those conversations. It's about breaking the ice, right? Just break yeah. the ice, start the conversation, and you don't know where it's going to take you. And I think those are the most fruitful interactions when, as you said, serving together, right? It's it's a day, day, you know, it's Thanksgiving, go and serve. Um, before Christmas, go and do some food project downtown. Whatever is happening, just be a part of it. I think there's amazing work happening in the North Dallas area, yeah. also in Plano. Just to be a part of it, you're, you're being enriched in ways you never thought you would. Yeah, there's a, I think it's an Arabic proverb mm -hmm. I heard some time ago that, it's something like this. Not in Arabic. I can't sure. do that. <laughs> but um, it said, better better to get to know a person mm -hmm. than to hear about a person. Oh. And, um, and that's what we do a lot of, right? We hear sure. about people. So we have our stereotypes. We sink those stereotypes deeper mm -hmm. as we talk about them mm -hmm. over there as opposed to – and what we're really talking about is getting to know a person, having a conversation, friendship, all of a sudden – all, all those stereotypes disappear. And you know how those friendships begin? Can I just give a, a yeah, story of that? Yeah. So back in the days um, in 2014 or 2015, I was invited to um, All Angels Presbyterian Church on Longbow Key. Longbow Key is a beautiful area outside of Sarasota. Sounds like it. Oh, it's, it's just phenomenal. It's like heaven on earth. And I was there and I was asked to talk about Islam. So there was two sessions. The first one was kind of like an introduction. It went really good. Majority of the individuals who were participants there were just uh, senior citizens, retired people, and uh, they were very respectful and cordial. The second time I came around after the pastor and them, they had gone through their six weeks of Islam, whatever they were studying, we had a lot of questions. And one of the persons in attendance, he was Jewish, because next door to the church was a synagogue. And he uh, put his hand up, I took his question, and uh, he had a very um, sharp question. Mm -hmm. You know, a question that got everyone like, everyone's gobsmacked. <gasps> How did you say that? <laughs> like, right, are you asking right. that? Because they felt that 
there are certain lines that, you know, we'll just be respectful, not cross those lines. And he just threw a blunt question right there, right? <laughs> yeah. He threw a wrench into everything. And um, I was uh, not taken aback. I was somewhat happy because I always tell people when I do my uh, programs on Sharia law, I talk a lot about Sharia law. She lectured last month in Nova University in Davie, Florida. Um, I, I, I gave him an answer because one thing I tell everyone is, look, there's no question below the belt. Just ask. Let's talk. So he asked his question. I answered his question. And he was taken aback according to his words. He later on invited me uh, for um, a session in his center. He has a learning center. He, he's not his, but he participates and he lectures there. He's a former former prosecutor. Um, we started becoming friends. And he was actually studying the Quran because of a case he had to handle many, many years mm. ago before 9-11. Long story short, we ended up doing a joint session on the Quran in front of over 700 people at USF Sarasota which then led to us contemplating, uh, and the demand was high, yeah. contemplating uh, writing a book on Sharia law from both aspects. We've written the book. It's in its second phase of edits right now. And just yesterday, he sent a part that he wanted to insert at the end of the book. And when I read that part, it just brought me to tears because it was a confession. He wrote it as the confession of an Islamophobe. Okay. And he yeah. considered himself an Islamophobe because... Uh, he harbored thoughts of the faith I practice as something being uh, detrimental to his existence as an American, as a Westerner, as Jewish. And um, it, it was just so touching because he, uh, and again, it's not about me, it's just that he saw that our interaction, mm -hmm. our human interaction, not only dispelled so much of those rumors that he had harbored, but it enlightened him in ways that he was never able to enlighten himself before. And that's exactly what human interaction does. If you're going to work alongside somebody or with someone as a team member of a project for six months, six weeks, six days of the week, whatever you're doing, why not get to know each other? I think that's where a lot of the problems we have today and the inability to make real judgments, like strong, sane, stable judgments, right, right. Um, that would all be gone. It's like you're scraping away all the snow and the ice off your car. It, that, that's, that's the first thing you do before you get your car out of the driveway when it's snowing. You have to get the snow off your car first. And that fogs you up. If you're not going to remove that snow, you're not going to be able to drive with clear sight and make good judgment. Yeah. And so we're driving today with a lot of muck, mud, uh, grime, and love bugs. If you've been to Florida, something called love bugs, they just <laughs> okay. kind of pelt your car everywhere. And if you don't, if you keep them on too long, they, the the acid from their uh, body erodes the paint. Uh, so you just have to wash it all off. And so again, that interaction is something. The city of excellence, which is Plano, has put itself on the pedestal to do just that. And again, I thank you for actually doing this because you're the one who reached out to me, and I should have reached out to you. But this is amazing. Well, it's yeah, a start yeah. of a relationship. It's a start of a relationship, right? yeah. And, you know, it seems, you know, when we talk about how we're perceived, mm -hmm. you know, it, all of us, in, in any group of people, right, if it's big enough, you're going to have bad people and good people, right? You're going to yes. have exemplary people and people you'd be like, oh, no, please don't judge us by that. You know, all mm -hmm. of us have that. Mm -hmm. And in growing right now in our cultures, our, again, culture becomes more secular, um, is that Christianity is you know, has hit, has had a massive reputation hit, you know, as 
the bad people, the mean people, the you know, there's and there's complex reasons for that. And and it seems like all of us get judged by the worst of our group, not necessarily the best of our group. I think that's certainly true in Islam and in the West as people as the West views Islam is um it's so easy to think about you know what's happening and with ISIS or with whatever and think that's what Islam is um and so it we have a common challenge you know uh we have a reputation challenge because you know our the core of who we are is to love people that's what we're really called to do as Christians and Islam you have your motivations and your your um what you're called to be in culture so talk a little bit of just how how you face as a as a Muslim leader in the West in the face of a lot of bad reputation, a lot of um, unfair stereotypes, and how do you how do you navigate that? So there's two things. Um, the first is that, as I said earlier about you know if you look at the common theme of our text, in the same way, if we are to judge a religion uh, by individuals, we're doing a great disservice to the religion itself. Um, I may go to a store and I may not like the apple pie they serve, and rightfully so. But for me to say apple pie sucks across the board, <laughs> that's wrong, right? Right, right. Just because I had a bad experience at one place doesn't denote that apple pie across the board is no good. In a similar way, Islam, uh, which we knew to be 1.8 billion and growing this year, um, it's 1.9 billion. So 1.9 billion of the world's population are Muslim. Um, And we are being represented uh, in the sense of depiction of who we are, that representation through the media and the airwaves and the internet and and through those extremists or the Islamophobes who hate us. Um, is that we are barbaric, we're evil. But it's actually, when you someone did the math, it was 0.006 of 1% are the extremist Muslims, the Al-Qaeda's, the Taliban's, ISIS. But again, 1.9 billion people are suffering. Mm. It's not fair for me to judge Christianity as it's not fair for anyone to judge Islam based on these... Uh, individuals, these groups, their actions and their callings. It just isn't fair because I've written in my, my in the book that Islam was hijacked way before 9-11. Mm-hmm. Islam was hijacked way before 9-11. Uh, there's political elements to that. There's those extremist elements. There's the uh, indoctrination slash education aspect of it. And the religion itself doesn't stand for what these people claim they want to stand for in its name. Now, I could sit back and say, well, well, they're bad and they're wrong. And then in return of that, every time they do some wrong, I just apologize to the world. Hey, I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for that. Which, of course, um, to be human is to pain also and to feel that, you know, what's happening in this world is wrong. What I can also do is to take the narrative of my faith away from their hands. That they're not going to speak for me, I will speak for myself. They will not control my religion, I will control my religion. 
I can only highlight what my religion is, not explain the actions of people. There are people in the history of Islam who have done wrong in the name of Islam. There's no ifs and buts about it. It's been documented. It's been documented centuries ago. It's been documented currently. But that doesn't change my religion for what it is. So what motivates me in the midst of this darkness, where at a time Osama bin Laden would be making a VHS recording in a cave in Bora Bora somewhere, mm-hmm. and the whole world would be watching it. And where uh, a pastor and an imam meet up after 9-11, and no one wants to even let that hit the airwaves or even right. the back of the newspaper. What you realize is to not change the narrative, but to save people from the fear that they're drowning in is to start having those one-on-one interactions. Yeah. See, I could go on CNN or Fox or any other news outlet and beg them, hey, get me on there. I want to talk about what Islam is truly about. Look at me five minutes. In a 24-hour news cycle, what is five minutes? It's mm-hmm. not even a drop in the ocean. Right. So, you know, granted the reality is that Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, all these religions in one way or another right now are in a negative light also, right? There, mm-hmm. There's, you go to um, uh, what's happening in Burma, you go, it's like we could go into so many things and say, okay, oh, there's a religious element to that. That means a religion is claiming this. People will take the story that's given to them. And as a person who believes in Islam and a person who is a practicing Muslim to the best of my ability, as you are a Christian, practicing preaching to the best of your ability, it's our moment to actually demonstrate to the world what our religion is. Uh, we want to allow the people to separate the actions of those individuals from the faith that we all follow. Right. And I can't do that because if I go and say they're extremists, they've taken the Quran out of context, they've twisted the words, they're wrong, Mm -hmm. but then I'm going to keep on negating them. Where am I going to express and explain what is right? So you know what? This is what Islam is. Don't look at me. Don't look at that. Just look at the religion. If you understand that, then you yourself can come to a conclusion because uh, our Lord, God has gifted everyone these intellects and these abilities, given us our senses. We can understand. We can comprehend this. And once we start separating um, what a few are doing in the name of uh, the religion of so many, we will silence them. We will break the foundations on which they are standing, and we will uh, shut the curtains on the fear that they are demonstrating to the world. Yeah. We just have to close those curtains. And the thing is that we can't do that because we don't have the power to do that. We don't control the media. We don't control the news outlets. Uh, so we have to educate one another, and we have to educate through demonstration. And I think that's what really what all faiths are doing. Christianity is doing an amazing job when it comes to helping people, relief uh, in Haiti. Anywhere you go, you'll see Christian organizations, large and small, getting onto the ground. People who selflessly, self, selflessly just get up and move. Mm-hmm. Like what motivates you to do that? It's your inner calling. And what's that inner calling coming from? It's coming from your faith and your belief. Right. That you're going to leave your home, comfort of your bed, the comfort of the food in the kitchen, to live off of granola bars for two, three weeks to go help people in the flood zone. This is what we call good work. And if the world doesn't want to highlight it, we're going to demonstrate it. There you go. And we're going to yeah. keep on demonstrating it until that small drum beat gets loud enough 
that it catches attentions of everyone else. People just need to turn. And again, news is fear, right? You have to yeah. sell fear, fear, fear sells. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We just learned that, right, with the mm-hmm. whistleblower and face. We all knew that, but mm-hmm. you yeah. know, that fear sells, and mm-hmm. let's pump that up and yeah. anger. And so, speaking of that, when you look at the future, you know, when you we know what's happening now, and the we've been through this period through the pandemic where it seems like the polarization and fear and anger have maybe gotten worse, not better. Exacerbated, yeah. Um, are you optimistic about that changing as you, you know, you have a different lens than I do just because you come from a different starting point than I do. You have a, you know, and so when you look at the world of, and, and all of that dialogue, do you see the world becoming increasingly polarized or increasingly breaking through that and breaking through fear and coming together? You know, uh, the question really is where's rock bottom? Yeah. You know, I was hoping, I was, I was really hoping that the pandemic would have opened our eyes to really appreciate one another, to appreciate the world that we have, to appreciate the people around us, to appreciate the blessings we have. But as you see, almost what every week, there's two, three incidents of people fighting in airports and airplanes. Mm-hmm. And like, we've really lost, we really lost it. And um, the question is, how far do we have to go before we realize that, um, we're not in the right place. People have become more selfish. They have become more self-centered. The pa- the pandemic um, didn't make things better in some aspects. It made things worse for individuals. Um, homes, families were tested. Um, marital relationships were tested. Uh, parent-children relationships were tested. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we got a good grade overall anywhere. But we also had an opportunity after realizing where we are to ask ourselves, where do we want to go? I think, I hope that um, there is a light on the horizon. Mm -hmm. The question is, when is that sun going to rise? It all goes down to um, how far do we want to run away from from the darkness, into the darkness? If we're running away from the light, the light is going to catch up to us. But if we're running towards the light, we're going to be there to welcome it when it comes out. Uh, people as human beings, irrespective if they follow a divine teaching or not, they uh, they, they they profess that they're a, a person of faith or not. We all realize there's something that we need to mold our lives. Mm-hmm. There's some teachings, there's some values, there's some rights, and there's some wrongs. There's some goods and there's some bads. And there's only so far you can go until you realize, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, I'm tired. And... Um, I think we're reaching a place where our physical fatigue is becoming apparent. Our mental fatigue and exhaustion is becoming known. It's become a topic. And um, that's where we're going to start questioning our spirituality and, and understand that, you know what, I think I need to change. You know, I think, you know, we're in a world where everyone thinks everyone else has to change before yeah. I change <laughs> uh, because yeah. I think I'm perfect. Yeah. But the mirrors are constantly falling around us. Right. And at times going to come when we have no choice but to look into the mirror and say, you know what, I think I need to change. I always have been taught in my faith that we have to be hopeful. Mm-hmm. God has promised us the good times will come, but he didn't promise us it's going to come on a good path. You know, you have to sometimes go up the mountains, go through the rivers. You know, there's going to be some sand. There's going to be some dirt. It's part of the journey. And I think as we all journey towards the ultimate goal that we're aspiring to reach, 
uh, I think we have to understand that the terrain will differ at times. The climate will differ, yeah. and we just have to keep on trekking forward. So I well, think I, there's good. I think there's good coming up. I agree. Yeah. I'm optimistic yeah. when I look at the future, even right. though we may have a few more bumps here sure. for in the present. Yeah. Because we're created, I believe, mm -hmm. you do too, for transcendence. Mm -hmm. And we're created for community. We're created yes. for connection, not polarization, Correct. not tribalism. We're created yeah. for something bigger than that. And we've been so manipulated. And, mm -hmm. and I, I, think, I, I think there will be breakthrough. There will be, yeah. So... Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what we get to work together for, right. Right? right, is to do that. Well, I really, I, I so appreciate you coming. No, thank you. Thank and you so being part of the Good Complex and, and hearing, you know, hearing your perspective and your sure. heart. And I, and I as, as a, you know, two local leaders together, thank you for what your community is doing okay. to make our community better, no, our wider you. community. Thank you. And uh, thank you for your honesty and okay. your authenticity and uh, just coming in and, and talking I'm you know it's always easier not to do that so thank you for doing it You're and welcome. and you. joining the good complex and it'll yeah. be just invite anybody uh, who is listening to understand that the good complex is not just a, a podcast with different conversations and stories it is that but it's really designed to create a movement toward common good in our world and a movement of a greater understanding of each other, moving away from fear toward love. And uh, as, as the saying says, it's, it's actually a biblical saying, but that uh, perfect love casts out fear. And so we have the opportunity to move beyond fear, to move beyond anger to something much better. It's what we all want. Mm -hmm. Again, no matter what our motivation is, whether it's a secular motivation or faith motivation, I invite you to be part of the Good Complex. And for the Good Complex, this is Jeff Jones, and I, I look forward to seeing you the next time. <laughs>